What up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Black Top Podcast. We're here on a beautiful Saturday, but by the time you're going to be hearing this, I believe it'll be Monday. And with that, I believe that's the start of training camp, if I'm not mistaken. So that means we're that much closer to the NBA season. As y'all can see, we're two men gaming it today. Christian had to work, but that's I. Ruben, my dude, how you doing? Doing good, man. It's been a while. I mean... Some, some medical things and then some scheduling conflicts, but we're back. We're back in the hood, ready to go. And you know, you, you, you've been getting buckets in the Pinoy League. <laughs> Dude, that, there's a new league my buddy started. And um, it's funny, most of them are Pinoy, but there's a bunch of other guys that come through. And uh, yeah, it's some pretty good runs. Uh, before that, I was at the like Filipino Basketball League. I was like in Winnipeg and Seattle, so... Yeah, I've been playing a lot of basketball, so I've been having a good off season. I mean, you know what they say about Winnipeg? It's the Manila of Canada. Okay, I I completely made that up, but I mean, there's a lot of Filipinos, but in oh terms no of doubt, city, man, like, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, it was I the first Canadian city to get a Jollibee too, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I literally like when I was there. Oh, uh, what do you call it? Not even ten minutes after landing, I was like, yeah, I hate this city. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why most of them move here. Anyways, moving on from that, today we're here to talk about the offseason. We're pretty much on, like, the precipice of the the actual start of the season, I feel. And with that, most of the rosters are set. All these big moves have been made. KD is still a Brooklyn net. So let's talk about stuff like that. We're going to break down, you know, the tiers we have teams in, and then we got a few questions to break down. And, yeah, let's get started. Ruben, my brother. So when we talk about tiers, uh, I mentioned I have like kind of five tiers I've set teams at. I'm curious what you got, though. Okay, so I've been thinking about this a little bit. So I have the contenders. Mm-hmm. I have the uh, regular season winners. And then I have the pretenders. Right? I think it's the pretenders you could easily say teams that think they're coming in with a lot of talent or teams that think they're going to be good or obviously teams that are just pretending to win games but lose games on purpose for Victor Wobanyama. So Or or Scoot uh, Henderson. You never know. Yeah, oh Scoot Henderson looks great. Scoot eh? Henderson is nice. Good. Um I didn't do my actual like tier setup, but I mean what if we name off those teams it'll be pretty easy to throw them in there. So I mean I for me there's uh yeah three three tiers that I look every season uh when I evaluate a team before coming into the year. Mm, I respect that. So I'm I'm curious, who do you have as like the clear cream of the crop contenders in the East? So for now, I definitely have Golden State and Boston. Mm. Boston's a funny one because we, I mean, we, that's I don't uh, know how much you want to talk about that situation. Uh, I mean, here's a topic on its own. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll leave it to this. It's a muddy situation to say the least, but. I think if there's a team that can kind of rise through, and as we've seen, they've overcome adversity before, I, I think Boston is that team. Yeah. Yeah, I think Boston's that team. I think they've got the makeup for it. I mean, um, just speaking purely on basketball, like the the, the the acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon, I think, just helps them. And they were just in the finals, right? So i got to take the two teams that were in the finals. Um, I do like Phoenix being there again, since they're kind of right, right back where... Um, you know, they stayed pat mostly with their team. Um, I have to say Dallas. And 
Um, this is going to go into the question that we were thinking of. It's like a team outside of my team. Like, are you putting like, which team are you putting stock into this year? And I'm going to, I'm going to transition that question into this tier. And I'm going to say the Clippers. This was my one hot topic. I respect that. I wanted that. To talk about. They are going to win the, the West this year. They are going to win the Western conference this year, in my honest opinion. And that is, that's my, that's what I was telling you beforehand. I was like, I got a really strong, firm opinion about something about the West this year. And I think the Clippers are going to win the West, and I think they're very much the top of the contender pool this season. Um, because if they're fully healthy, right, if you're talking about John Wall, who has actually played really well when he's been healthy, and then you add Kawhi Leonard back, who looks like he's in really good shape, and then Paul George, who's coming off like a really good recovery season as well. Um, and then they added all those pieces throughout last year. Like I'd have, I'd have to say like the Clippers, right. Or the cream of the crop of contenders. So right now I've got the four teams that were in the conference finals last year. I've got the Clippers and then I've got the Bucks. That's a solid list. That's a solid list. Yeah. Uh, to be frank, I'm not going to lie. I thought we were just doing the East, but that's totally okay. I'll, I'll change up. on the No worries, bro, bro. You know, the blacktop, not everything goes according to plan. So, you know, we go keep rolling with it. You got a freestyle, you know, see? hundred percent. Yeah, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Little inside joke for y'all. Hundies. Okay. Uh, When it comes to clear contenders, I guess for me, without kind of straying off the path of what I've catered for, I'll I'll stick to the East. So when I'm thinking clear contenders, I think there's three. Uh, the Celtics and the Bucks are the obvious two. I think those were undoubtedly the two, you know, fuck it, I'll say. They were the two best teams in the East when you look at kind of on paper, how they were playing, all that kind of stuff. And then the third team, this might be a little uh, controversial in a sense that uh, there's another team I'm going to leave off, but for me, it's the Sixers. I think that, you know, the Philadelphia Rockets, the the Houston 76ers, or excuse me, the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, had not necessarily like an amazing offseason, but I think that a player that really has a chance to be not necessarily a star, but really be a star in their role, I think, is DeAnthony Melton. We saw how he was able to still put up, I believe it was like about 12, 5, and 2. And that's being necessarily probably the third guard off the bench when you have arguably the best backup in Tyus Jones. Now you put him on a scene where he's undoubtedly kind of the the sixth man or at least uh the go-to guard when you're looking to your bench unit and dude's looking nice that's all i can say and leading into that the heat i think that the heat are obviously so i have five tiers just to bring it back a bit i have like my clear contenders i have solid i have kind of this boom bust potential where i think they're either going to be like overachieve or really bad in a sense that there's kind of like no room for middle in my opinion and then the middle, I call it on the bubble. And then uh, the complete opposite of the cream of the crop, I have it as the hashtag tank for Victor or Scoot. And a team that I have installed is obviously, as I mentioned before, Miami. Uh, you know, Miami's a team that's always able to get it out the mud, always able to get the most out of players that you wouldn't assume. But that's all fine and dandy. But when you look at how much better the East has gotten, I think that they're definitely not going to be towards the top top. They're still going to be top six for sure. But I just think that with the aging roster and the fact that you didn't really 
I don't even think they really added anyone substantial this year that comes to mind. I think they just threw out some contracts, but I don't think their needle hasn't moved at all. But with how much everybody's needle has moved, it's kind of putting them back in the pecking order. And that leads to a team like the Cavs, where on paper, undoubtedly, this is probably the best starting five, not necessarily even in the East, but in the NBA. But you obviously have that that feeling of uh, gelling together. It's not like you insert KD on the Warriors and then la-di-da. This is a team that's still relatively young. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's heading into his, I believe, age 27 season. So he's right about to hit his prime. He's right in that uh, contention window that is slowly creeping open for the Cavs. But overall, I think this is going to be a year of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say complete growth, but just again, it's not. I don't think it's going to be this whole going through the murders row of the East and smacking everybody. They're obviously going to go through their hurdles. They still have undoubtedly one of the smaller backcourts in the league. But, you know, what did J.B. Bickerstaff do? Completely went across the notion of small ball and threw out seven, three seven-footers and worked out for the most part. But, you know, we'll see how it works with this new backcourt. But I, I'm hesitant to put... The Cavs in like a contender sense, just because again, it's their first year together. And yeah, when it comes to like boom bust potential team, that the one team I'll highlight, I think, is the Nets. You know, on paper, again, one of the better teams in the league, but you know, can they overcome uh, the Kevin Durant drama? Can they overcome Steve Nash being a piss poor coach, to be honest? And you know, again, when you look at all the players they have, it should work. But should work and does work are two complete different things, especially in the context of basketball. But to uh, kind of counter your point on the team you're putting stock of, stock on outside of our teams, uh, for me, saw this graphic on Twitter. and It wasn't necessarily the the genesis of this whole belief for me, but... Looking at the moves they made, I think the Pistons are in a prime position to not necessarily be top six, but definitely competitive. I don't think they're going to be in like the bottom, bottom half of like the league this year as they were last year. When you look at like the roster, let me pull up this graphic. When we look at their 10-man rotation, pretty solid to say yeah, the least. Yeah, exactly. Way. I think that was kind of the one where it's like, <clears throat> yeah, this team could be good. But just to quickly run it off, so obviously you got Cade. Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bey, Boyan Bodanovich, who was recently acquired, and Isaiah Stewart as your five. And then the backups, you know, the GOAT, Killian Hayes, the greatest French point guard to ever touch earth. Alec Burks, who I think is another solid backup. Hamidou Diallo, nice, solid, wiry athlete. Marvin Bagley III, who I'm not going to say he's someone I always believed in, but he's definitely a guy that Hasn't had a had a good go at it, we'll say. Like he's had yeah. a solid NBA he, career, but obviously being drafted before the likes of like Luca and Trey is obviously gonna put that yeah. stain on him, yeah. Well, I think the, the thing with Marvin Bagley is too the the good thing is he ended last season on a positive note with the Oh show, yeah. Right? Like he played really well to end the year. Um and that's mostly because he finally got an opportunity to play the role that he was hoping to play and so I mean, in Sacramento, there haven't been very many prospects that have developed into what they were supposed to be, other than maybe De'Aaron Fox, right? And De'Aaron Fox still has a lot of growing to do as a player. Um, he still really hasn't hit that, um, you know, that next gear 
which everybody's been expecting to. Like he's a really good player, but all of this is to say it's it's development in in the Sacramento organization is very far. <laughs> and uh, you know, least, it, yeah, definitely. You see the difference, right? When ba- when Bagley came to Detroit and he finally got an opportunity to play under D- Dwayne Casey, who's done a really good job actually of, of developing um, programs in the past, right? Like he he saw it. He he's developed what happened in Toronto. That's what allowed for a championship and for all these accolades to happen in Toronto, right? Because he brought in culture, and so Dwayne Casey's well known for that. I think this team's also going to be uh, surprisingly good defensively. Because no I doubt, they've got a lot of different bodies. A lot of different athletes, and I think they have a lot of versatility, which I like to, which I think Dwayne Casey likes. Um, obviously, following the Raptors for many years and seeing what he likes to do on the defensive end, he likes a lot of versatility, being able to uh, match up with different teams. And yeah, I think like like you said, for me, Bogdanovich being acquired is definitely like it was the one key thing where I was like, okay, I think they're doing something here when you bring in a, a veteran player like that amongst your young core. I think that's really important, um, especially because uh, when you have guys who have made successful careers in the league, right, and you pair that with young guys who seem to have quite uh, a reputation about themselves with Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bey, right? Like, it's it's a lot to look forward to. And I think, I don't know if, if they'll be a very good team this year, but I think they'll be a competitive team, right? And I think yeah, that's they, the they won't go into wording. games... Yeah, they won't go into games getting blown out by 20. I think this is a team that's going to be, um, you know, very competitive every game. And I think that uh, while they'll lose, that's mostly because of their inexperience or the fact that these, this is just such a young squad still um, that lacks that talent at the end of the game to take over, right? And hopefully Cade can eventually um, blossom into that. But ideally, I do like what's happening in Detroit. And it's hard to take, oh, you know, the extra the minute to go for the long run. All good, yo. But, I really enjoy what I what I see in Detroit. I think like this is it's been a while since I feel like Detroit fans have had something to be excited about, and so they do have something excited about between Kate Cunningham and what they're doing over there. And they've also hired a number of great assistant coaches, including including Brittany Donaldson from Toronto. She's just been given um a, a nice uh, uh promotion over in Detroit to join Dwayne Casey's staff. So they added Keith Bogans as well. Keith Bogans has had a long career in the NBA, and he's going to help out with their development. So. Yeah, I think Detroit has a lot to be excited about overall as an organization. 100%. And not to forget to mention, but they got one of the dudes who I think, outside Apollo, has the most NBA-ready body in Jalen Duran. I think he's going to be uh, solid. Yeah. And then he's not on this graphic I saw, but Nerlens Noel, I believe, was in that trade too. And, you know, obviously things haven't worked out how we were expecting when he was in college, but he's been able to turn into... Uh, Pretty solid backup. So, and then with the Boyan thing, one thing I just want to say about that is, I think it's a very low risk, high reward thing. You know, mm-hmm. you have the low risk in that he's on the one year contract. So if it doesn't work out, it's not going to burn you so much financially. And obviously, I'm not saying he's a guy that's going to catapult you into contention or anything like that. But like you were saying, they're going to be in a lot of competitive games this year. And even then. They're not really in the need to tank for a guy like Victor or Scoot. They have their two solid kind of pieces to build around. And obviously, Cade and Jaden Ivey. And then Sadiq Bey is looking like the next up-and-coming 3 and D wing. I think, yeah, last thing 
Detroit, yeah, you hit it on the nail there. Detroit has a lot to be excited for. And then, uh, I'm curious, Ruben. So, you know, obviously you're putting a lot of stock into the Clippers, but, you know, not to, not to say, okay, basically what I'm getting at is that I think a lot of people have the mindset that they're going to be a good team. But, but I'm curious, not that it's like a shit team, but who is a team that's kind of perceived to be like end around here in the season that you think could maybe jettison up a bit? I'm curious. Like a, a team that everyone thinks is not that good could actually be really good. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. But this, this, this team has been circling my mind all offseason. And I think we're not giving enough... Okay, I'll say this. A, a team that people aren't getting, giving enough credit to that I think could be really good this year when healthy are the Denver Nuggets. Mm, yeah, that's because, my team for the West too, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, so for the West, sorry. So we'll say for the West. Jamal Murray coming back is a huge deal because that team was very good last season without him. That was a very good team last year. Nikola Jokic had an MVP year. Um, I really like the fit that they had with Aaron Gordon. You're bringing back Michael Porter Jr. healthy. Um, I really like the kid uh, Bones Highland. I like, love Bones. Yeah. He is, and he looks like he's having a great offseason. I think he's going to transform into something really special. Um, so I like the idea of that backcourt working together. And I think that's why they made that trade to to send out Monte Morris and whatnot, right? To, to free up that space for Bones Highland. And so when you have like such a um offensive uh repertoire guys between Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and and Nikola Jokic. And don't forget, before Aaron Gordon went to Denver, he was the main offensive option in Orlando. Oh. And of he was also quite the good yeah, he was a great offensive option as well. So I mean, I really like Denver. I really like Denver, at least in the West. Um I mean uh, I'll I'll hear, I'll wait for you to, to cover the east side, but I really like what I what I what I see from Denver moving forward because that's also a very young squad too, and they're going to be building for a long time coming. No doubt. Um, Memphis is the very flashy team, but I think Denver is right in that same boat only because of the fact that they've held so much success, at least even for a longer period since they've had Jokic and Jamal Murray, and people don't give them enough credit because they're not a sexy team to watch. But they are very good. And so um, I think that's the one team that doesn't get enough credit that will be much better than I think they or end up um, performing much better this season than we all think. Yeah, no, Denver's definitely a team I'm going to watch a lot this year. Jokic literally led a team of backups to 48 and 21. Oh, no, that, that, that doesn't work out. But like a 48-win season. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the Grizzlies, here's a hot take. It might not be too hot, but... I think they go slip this year. Uh, they overachieved a lot last year, and I think not having Jaron Jackson for the first bit of the season is really going to hurt them in that they're losing their defensive mm-hmm. anchor. Because, I mean, they came into last year guns blazing. They were the first team that really punched Golden State in the mouth. I remember, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure Memphis was their first loss on the season when they were, like, kind of wrecking through everybody, murders row, yeah. all that stuff. But I, they're definitely still going to be in the playoffs, but... I think second last year was definitely a bit of an overachievement. I'm thinking more like fourth to fifth is was what I'm thinking with obviously LA getting back into things and Jokic is only getting better, you know. So 
still going to be solid, but yeah. Another team on the East like that I'm kind of putting a bit of stock into, uh, Indiana. You know, they didn't really have much of their starters for, or even much of like their core players. And you think of last year, Miles Turner played like half the season, was very in and out of the lineup a lot. TJ McConnell pretty much missed the whole year. Uh, you know, obviously he's not the sexiest of names, but he's a guy that is PJ Tucker asking that. Obviously, he's not going to give you 20 points, but what he gives you an effort and just overall charisma on the defensive end, that can really you know, jettison your team. And this kind of leads into another question we're going to talk about, but players that are going to have a huge year. I am in a, I'm in a big, big Tyrese Halliburton truther. He averaged, he averaged 20 and 10, uh, for the, for the most part, obviously it's a little bit of a smaller sample size, but in kind of researching for this episode, do I still have it? I don't, but I was looking up players that would average like 20 points and 10 assists. Cause I mean, I think there's like there were forty. It was like a weird, like a w- weird high, crazy amount of guys that averaged twenty points, like just twenty points last year. But when you add in the ten assists, I think it's less than ten guys. Tyrese Halliburton, I think, has the ability to really like fully cement himself as another player to add onto that list. And then when you look at the acquisition of a uh, Benedict Maturin, is a guy who who low key is my dark horse for rookie of the year. You know, being able to slide into that backcourt role with Tyrese Halliburton and the way he plays, I think, is going to really complement well. Buddy Heald is still one of the best shooters in the league. Uh, Miles Turner, if he plays, like, upwards of 60 games. And then looking at that, O'Shea Brissett, Canadian Mandem. Uh, I think it's Terry Taylor had a few solid games last year. Mm-hmm. And then still another Canadian, even though I think he plays for the DR, I think, but uh what's homeboy's name chris duarte so chris duarte yeah yeah. the the pacers i wouldn't say they're necessarily a young up-and-coming team compared to a team like say the pistons but they're they're young enough to where i think you let this team develop a couple for a few years together and then you know hopefully it breaks out of the mold of uh, indiana mediocrity that got paul george to dip out of there but yeah Mm -hmm. but (sighs) Stock in the East, eh? Yeah. Um, See, so I can't say the Raptors because it's going to be a team that's not of our team. Um, Even though the Raptors are going to be solid, they're going to be super good this year. I will make a comment that this that that Toronto will be very good. Teams, a lot of people don't give enough credit to the fact that they have an NBA All Star and All NBA player, and then the Rookie of the Year, who looks like. He's about to be a superstar in year two. Oh, he so. was putting the fucking clamps on James Harden in that run, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like Scotty Barnes looks so scary, and apparently grew to six ten this year. So, <laughs> oh, um, like, and that's trouble. Um, like, like I said, like th- this team won. I mean, this team finished sixth, right, or fifth, fifth in the uh, fifth in the NBA last year. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for injuries, uh, I think this would have been a much more competitive series with the Sixers. Um, you have an NBA All-Star in Fred Van Vliet. You have an All-NBA player. That's literally one of the top 15 players in the league in Pascal Siakam. You have Scotty Barnes, who looks like he's about to be a top 20 player in the league sometime soon. 
and then you have one of the best coaches in the league. So it's like and one of the best executives. So I don't know how um, they consistently get left off of the loop, but I mean, I'll I'll say I'll say that I'll keep it there. Um, mm. You want to add in a comment on that? Yeah, and then I think another guy. In my opinion, without any of like the the injuries he had for the season or the time he missed, OG Ananobi could have definitely been yeah. in the conversation for MIP if he like played a lot more. I mean. In my opinion, yeah. I put him okay, maybe post NBA final or pre NBA finals, but uh, throughout the regular season, I put him on the same tier with Jalen Brown. They were both guys that weren't the main options, but you give them the ball, they'll get you a bucket. And then OG, obviously with his huge size, pause is like one of the best clappers in the entire league. So yeah, the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, it's scary hours is what I'll say. It's scary hours for yeah, sure. Yeah, scary hours. Yeah, OG doesn't get enough credit as a player too, but it's also kind of warranted because he's never been able to be healthy for a full season. Yeah, that and he's not necessarily the flashiest of guys, but, you know, shout out. No, you know, Scotty's riding for that man. That's that's love. Well, that's love. Mm, a team in the East that I think will be better than we give them credit for. Um this is a hard one because for me, it's like the clear cut contenders and then those pretender, like, sorry, clear cut contenders, the solid teams, and then like the pretenders. Yeah, there's um, not so necessarily that much move for like mobility, I think. Everything's there's not, there's not. De- Everything seems pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty solid in the East, but we know who ultimately will come out of the East, I think. And I, I do want to say it's the Celtics and the Bucks. But a team that I think could be really solid this year, and I hate to admit it, because um, I go back and forth. One of the, one of the guys on Twitter, um, we seem to have really good interactions together. But I've been trying to convert him over to Toronto. Uh, but um, it's it's the New York Knicks. I think they can be uh, a much better team than um, we give them credit for. Remember, they have Julius Randle, right? And I think Julius Randle is still a very good player. Um, I don't know what happened to him last season. Uh, maybe it's just being hung over from the year that he had in 2021. But uh, I, I really like what I see from the Knicks. They added Jalen Brunson. I am a big fan of him. I really am excited to see him work with Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett. And I think R.J. Barrett is the player that I think is going to have a huge year. Mm. I, um, he needs to definitely like kind of take the reins, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, at some point. And I think he showed that last season, too, is that... When he has the ball and he's given the opportunity to be the guy, he's clear-cut better than Julius Randle. Dog, yeah. Um, yeah, when it comes to shot creation, um, he's also a very solid defender. Um, so I'm going to have to ride with our Canadian boy, R.J. Barrett, and then I really think the Knicks can be better than most people think. Their starting lineup is solid if it were to be what it is, which, um, for and correct me if I'm, mista- if I'm leaving some players out here in the starting lineup, but... Jalen Brunson, quickly, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. That's a very good starting five. I personally, I personally like quickly as like more of like a six man role. I feel like you let you put in more of a Evan Fournier to kind of help with spacing a bit. But quickly is like for Fournier sure going to be too. a big, big, big proponent of that. Yeah, yeah. There's Fournier there too, and if he's healthy, Tom Thibodeau might. And and another. don't forget, you know who they yeah. got, Ruben. You know who they got. Let me know. Motherfucking Cam Reddish, yeah, <laughs> my boy. That's why I forgot about him. That's I didn't. Um, he, he's, he's in the he's in the doghouse. He's in the doghouse. You know, 
I believe that he should move again if you're asking me. I believe, yeah, Derrick Rose is still on that team. Yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. So Crazy. If he's healthy. They, he very well could be the, the, the second guard to um, Jalen Brunson, which I kind of like the idea of having a two-guard lineup out there since they're fairly big between Barrett Randall and Mitchell Robinson, and Robinson is a very good defensive anchor when healthy. Again, the problem is can the dude stay healthy because he's got a lot of potential. But, I mean, yeah, shit. I'll say... He's, he's better than Will. When you, when you look at uh, by the numbers, <laughs> that's true. You can't you can't argue against the numbers. Um, yeah, I would say the Knicks. I think they can be much better than we give them credit for. Um, but that I think a lot of that hinges on Randall coming back to being a, an NBA All Star caliber player, RJ Barrett taking a huge leap, which I think he will, and Jalen Brunson being the guy that we thought. He he was or like being the guy that he was in Dallas when they you know when they signed him right so there can't be any drop off there. There's a little room for error to New for New York to be bad this year, and if they are at any point going through a rough patch, it'll be very difficult for them to recover because the East is way too deep um, to have any lapses uh, or any major injury troubles. No doubt. So we'll see. And then how what do you think about a guy like Quentin Grimes? You know, obviously kind of smoked everybody in like the summer league but obviously you take yeah. all that with a grain of salt like do you do you think he's poised to be one of like the breakout guys or you know just gonna be i this year i think so i think so but the thing is this team is so log jammed at the guard spot right like mm. i think um you know tom Thibodeau likes his you know he likes his veterans so you're gonna see a lot of fournier and Derek rose out there um, obviously Jalen Brunson is going to have to start. And then you're talking about, oh, well, I'm I flipping in Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes. Like, is there enough time? Like, I think Quentin Grimes can play a little bit of the three. Um, but yeah, I don't know. you know, he's 6'5", so he's, I think, kind of the bare minimum you want for the height at the three, especially today. Yeah, I mean, if they choose to go small ball. I mean, he, he did play the th- three a little bit last year anyways, too. Um, but I mean, there's a bit of a log jam, right? Like, so there, and then like you said, Cam Reddish, right? Uh, If he's in the doghouse or not, he's going to break out. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions about their rotation. I think that's the reason why they had all these talks with Utah to get Donovan Mitchell, because there's so many guys that they could deal in order for them to be a really good enough team to stay a good enough team. Um, and then also acquired Donovan Mitchell, right? So now they didn't make that trade. You've got a logjam of guys that could potentially be, um, sorry, uh, potentially be uh, really good players, take leaps, but it's hard to do that when there's not a lot of playing time to go around. Um, so I do like Quentin Grimes, though, uh, and that's why his name was was uh, was flirted around multiple times when it came to the Donovan Mitchell trade talks. So. We shall see. I think this is a really interesting year for New York. I think they have a chance to be really good, better than we expect them to, or they just end up being really trash again, and everything looks like, oh, R.J. Barrett was not a good pick, and Julius Randle not as good as we thought. It was a fluke year. Or Jalen Brunson's not the dog we thought he was. Now you've signed him for a freaking max contract, so basically. Respect. Okay. I think last thing before we start to talk about more single players, Ruben, I'm curious, like you know, I've obviously kind of said my piece about Cleveland, but I'm curious to where you think they land this year and kind of the picking order of uh, the East. 
Yeah, I think they're good. I just uh, I would say closer to the bottom four of the playoff picture than the top four. Um, because while they're really good now offensively, like they've got their piece. Like they, like we we talked about this before. This team struggled to find any consistent offensive source. Um, and it was all by committee. And Darius Garland had an awesome season, and he'll continue to grow from that. And um, but Darius Garland also wasn't far from also one year being like literally the worst statistical player. In oh the NBA yeah, in terms people of forget impact, about that. Right? He was literally the worst player in the NBA, like statistically, you know, impact. Um, and then he ended up being an NBA All Star with really good winning percentages and, and impact on the game. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Evan Mobley covers up a lot of weaknesses for Cleveland. But everyone knows that I, I've said on this podcast several times that I don't think Mobley is as good as people make him out to be. And and so I, I'm curious to see how he progresses this year um, because for me, he's he's too skinny for his role. He's not, he's, he's not skilled enough to be a, a perimeter player. Um, and he's just way too too slow and or um, uh, lacks enough weight to be playing on the inside. So he's kind of in the in-between. Um, and it, it's not like where Chet Holmgren, you see it come in, and he's got so many skills on the offensive end where he can take it up and down, um, put it behind his back, spin off defenders, that type of thing, where I think he's got a significant advantage. Well, Evan Mobley kind of flirts on both sides, both, both sides, sorry. So, um, we'll have to see how he progresses this year. Uh, I think a lot of that was also covered by the fact that they have Jared Allen. Mm. Do I think they have one of the best starting fives in the league? No, I don't, because Donovan Mitchell also has a lot of deficiencies. And him as a small ball guard beside Darius Garland is really rough for me to believe in will be any good defensively. Um, Because Donovan Mitchell also can't guard anybody. Um, He's been one of the worst defensive players. Um at least last season. And then Darius Garland. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are like defensively, but a lot, again, a lot of that is covered by the fact that they have two twin towers in the inside and can cover up a lot of mistakes. But um, that can only last you very long in the playoffs. And so we shall see. I, I think they have a lot of good offense now. And between Donovan Mitchell, that backcourt, Evan Mobley, um, I think we were talking about this. Who's going to start at the three? It would be, would you say it would start at the three? We're I'm, I'm assuming when you're going off a of fit and just how it would impact the team, I think Okoro. Because I think it's obviously yeah. between Levert and him. But Levert's yeah. obviously more of a scorer. So I think you let him be like the six-man Come kind of bench. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Okoro makes sense because at least um, he can card the best perimeter player. Um, but Isaac Okoro is not a an OG Ananobi or a not, or Ben Simmons. Bridges, yeah, he's not a Mikal Bridges. I'm sorry. Um, so you're gonna leave a lot to be desired on the defensive end um, to your big guys. It's a long winded answer for me to say. I like I like the move they made for Don Mitchell because you do have to go dices in for the best player available, which they did, and then you worry about the rest later. Um, which I think they will. And they're a young enough team where they can recover from this if it doesn't work out. Um, but I'm not completely sold on it being good because everything is so good on paper, but they could easily be a team that... Um, they were very good defensively last year, remember? That was like one of their strengths. And 
now that they added a guy whose deficiency is on the defensive end, mind you, also very small, it's it's um you know their style of play has to change, right? And so we'll see how it works out. I don't think I think they'll stay around again, bottom four in the playoff picture, just because of the fact that Donovan Mitchell is a huge chess piece to add, and they got to figure out a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Again, I think this year is more so kind of gelling together rather than like, I right, let's go win this shit kind of thing. But already yeah. shifting gears a little bit, we've like kind of touched on it a little bit with players here and there, but. Who do you think is a player that's poised for a huge year? Who do you think is going to be a breakout player this year? So I said R.J. Barrett for New York. Um, I actually want to hear yours. I, I want to hear I, yours. Uh, I do want to hear yours. Because like, I shared one already. Mm. I, I have another in mind, but I want to hear yours. What do you think? You yeah. Think the same so obviously I've touched on a couple. Tyrese Halliburton, I think. He's, like, poised to potentially be a first-time All-Star. He's kind of on that short list, I feel. De'Anthony Melton, uh, perfect year. He could potentially... Uh, I don't even know if I really want to throw him in the six-man like conversation. But, you know, if everything falls into place, if he's really, like, kind of stepping into this bigger role than he already had in uh, Memphis, I think, you know, fuck it. He could do it. But a player I do want to highlight, I think, James Booknight. He's a guy who didn't really get much burn last year, killed it in the G League. But obviously, when you're a guard and you're stepping into Charlotte, it's very hard to carve out a role in that sense. But obviously, with uh, the situation that happened there and the fact that they didn't really get all that better, Book Nine, I think, is in the perfect situation to really be that kind of scoring option off the bench. Obviously, you'll have LaMelo and Terry Rozier taking up a lot of that starting lineup minutes and all that stuff. But when you look to a guy like Book Knight, an instant bucket, the ability to like really create for himself and all that, I think he's in the perfect situation to kind of like use the second unit as his playground in a sense. And not only that, I think the Hornets are going to be god-awful this year. So yeah, you, you know Book Knight going to get them padded stats. You know Book Knight going to get the cherry stats and all that. So I think he's definitely poised to really cement himself into this rotation, not only for this year, but for the foreseeable future. And then uh, just a little aside from that, another guy I think on the same team could really be solid this year is uh, P.J. Washington. When you look to uh, him and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he who shall not be named, their stats are pretty identical leading up to like the breakout year the other dude had. But P.J. Washington, I think, is a guy who, has the ability to really be that, you know, that big that has the ability to play on the outside and on the inside pretty effectively. He's played center a little bit. I obviously prefer more as like your four, but looking at the gaping hole that was left there with those 23 odd points that are off the board now, uh, PJ Washington, I think, has the opportunity to uh, slide into that role. And I mean, he's going to have to if he wants to pay off that child support. With that traffic gods stared in, but mm. yeah. <laughs> Jab aside, yeah, those are like looking to the east and looking at the guys who are primed with opportunity and I think have the opportunity to shine a little bit more this year. Well, that's who I'm going with. What about you? 
So I was gonna say a number of names, but then I think it would be a cop out to use second year players. I was gonna say uh, I was I was gonna say, um, what's the name? Uh, Franz Wagner. Hey, no, uh, yo, go go ahead, man. I'm a big fan. I love Franz. I yeah. He 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 pretty much carried me through fantasy for a good portion of the year last year. Franz Franz Wagner had a hell of a year. I was gonna say like Franz Wagner. I was gonna say um, Jalen Green. Um, who was the other guy that I was going to mention? Ayo Tosomu. I thought those guys are going to have huge years, but I will stay away from the cop out of a second season because typically, um, second year players are supposed to make a major leap, right? So I'll stay away from the conversation. Um, I'll think about guys who are like going to have a huge year and I think going to make an impact when they didn't do that last year. So I have a few guys in mind. Um, number one off the top of my head right now is is John Wall for the Clippers. I think he's going to make a huge pick. impact. Um, and I, I mentioned this earlier. I think I think John Wall is going to have a huge impact on the Clippers. He looks healthy. Um, look, he's meshing well, at least for, from what we've seen in the offseason. Um, and even when he was playing unhealthy in Houston, he was averaging 22-8. and eight. You know, he, like, he just basically did that in his sleep. So I like the, the, the double guard combo of him and Reggie Jackson. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to see that. And then paired that with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, the problem that that the, that sustained itself for the last few seasons between their star uh, forward combo is they really lacked another guy who can do a lot of shot creation, um, whether it's for them or for himself. And while Reggie Jackson seems to have taken that next step, at least from the perimeter, like he's been able to hit a lot of really good. I, I mean, he's been able to 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 hold a good enough perimeter percentage, like to be an honest three point shooter. But when you have a guy who can get downhill like John Wall and create a lot of havoc, um, it can pretty much manipulate the control of the game, like the traffic defensively, get guys in spots, um, create his own shot. Um, and I think what's going to be important here is that small pick and roll, pick and pop between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with those two guys as the screen screeners. Um, and I, I think Sue Botch is going to be a huge beneficiary. Huge, he's poised huge for a good year too, yeah. He's poised for a big year because he's playing alongside John Wall, who's been one of the best pick and roll players in the league right over the last few years. And you saw how Marcin Gortat got so much money a guy like Andre Blatch got so much money. All these dudes got so much money because John Wall made them money. And so I think John Wall is the number one guy off the top of my list. Um, the other one that I was really thinking about hard on is I think um, he did have a really good year last year and prior to that. But in terms of impact, I think Christian Wood is going to have a huge impact on Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll have a huge year with Dallas, and I think he's going to be healthy because it's different, right? When you come into a situation knowing you're not going to be a very good team, but you are around one of the best players, you know, you might be like, you know, you take it easy, right? Like, I think, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get hurt. I just want to be out there. I'm just going to get paid. Let me be out there. Oh, sorry, guys. Like, how many times did he miss this year with headaches? Yeah, like, there were there were a fantasy. lot of like character too, issues right? this year for him. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, "Man, I had a lot of migraines and headaches, and he had a didn't he have a team suspension at some point?" Yeah, I think it was after a game, I believe with the Kings, where he kind of told off the assistant. 
It was him and Kevin Porter Jr. both had a blow up. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that that's, that's you know, I think being in Dallas, playing under Jason Kidd, alongside a guy like Luka Doncic, who is regarded as one, probably the best rising star at the moment. Um, and then, you know, him being a huge offensive option, you, you pair that with uh, uh, who they have there now, JaVale McGee and, and uh, Dwight Powell. That's a formidable so front court. Solid front court. That's solid, and then remember, even though they lost Jalen Brunson, they still have Spencer Dinwiddie. They're bringing back Tim Hardaway Jr. to the fold. They've got Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I I just think Christian Wood is in a great place right now where you can plug him in. He's that like twenty and ten guy. Boom, you're gonna get what he what you need on the offensive end. I think it's he's gonna be deadly in the pick and pop and roll with Luka Doncic. Um, I also like what he's gonna do with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about him, uh, particularly because he's going to make a huge impact on the Mavericks who I've fallen in love with over the past year or two. And everyone knows last year I called it. I said Dallas was going to make did, the Western Conference Finals. I said it before the season too, right? Didn't yeah, I? pretty very early, like not enough to where it's like you're firm and you have a lot of evidence. Like, yeah, it was like that was a closer good to Christmas time. Yeah. Last year. I was like, Dallas will make the Western Conference Finals. I was pretty damn positive of it. And they did. Um, actually, no, sorry. This was just before the All-Star break. This is before the All-Star break, I think. They were still looking, like, there... kind of on the bubble of even making, like, any noise at all that year, at that point of the yeah. too, right? So, I mean, I think he'll be a huge addition. And even though, again, Jalen Brunson will be missed there. But when you fill a guy who's a 20 and 10 guy perennially, um, you know, he's not a great defensive player, but you have front court players that can cover that up between JaVale and Dwight Powell. Um, and Luka Doncic makes everyone better on the court. So I, I expect a huge year from him, not in terms of statistics, because I think that'll be down for him, considering how many options there are for Dallas. But I think in terms of impact, like when you have a guy like that on the floor, um, paired alongside of Luka Doncic, he, your attention has, you know, you got to pick your poison, right? And so no doubt. that was the beauty of having the three guards they had last year when they went three guards small with Dinwiddie, Brunson, and Luca on the floor at the same time. You got to pick your poison. Um, and so that that's what Christian Wood does for this roster, I think. My one question to that, though, is like, where do you think he, he fits in? Because I think a lot of reports are saying that they think the best option is for him to be sort of coming off the bench and while he might not start games he'll definitely close them out so what do you what do you think where do you think he fits into this yeah i think that makes a lot of sense because the reason why you want to bring him off the bench is they they like going small regardless right and i think Mm -hmm. christian when playing at the four um loses a lot of versatility on the defensive end or on the offensive end as well which they really liked last year they did that really well with three guards and and in terms of what I'm looking at, it, it feels like they might want to start um, Luca, Tim Hardaway, uh, or sorry, Luca, like maybe Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway, Finney Smith, Dwight Powell, or JaVale McGee, whoever it is, right? They might want to play that lineup out. They, they've always started Tim Hardaway with Luka Doncic. Um, but in my opinion, I think they would be better served if they went Luca, Tim Hardaway, Finney Smith, Christian Wood. Dwight Powell or JaVale McGee, and then have one of those two centers come off the bench with Dinwiddie. Um, I, I like Dinwiddie off the bench just because when you have another ball handler, right, you can come in off the bench and make an impact, get guys into their spots, and also be 
um, a huge offensive option. That's a lot different than having the big guy come in and expect him to score uh, on offense because he can't control a lot of his own shots, right? So um, I think that makes sense from um, positionally and how their style of play is. You know, we've seen how Dallas was last year. If they want to stick with that mo- that that mold, then obviously they go in that direction. But I think you just have to utilize your talent where they're best fit. And I think Christian Woods starting makes more sense than him coming off the bench and have Dinwiddie come off the mm-hmm. bench. Um, Tim Hardaway's out there for the extra shooting. Finney Smith is out there for the defense. Christian Wood is the second option behind Luka Doncic, and then you have your best you have your best anchor. Which in this time, I would probably think Javale McGee is just considering his his um, you know his his uh, historic performance, and obviously like you know it's just it's just based on history, right? And I think Dwight Powell's better served coming off the bench with a guy like Dinwiddie. Look, yeah, solid take. In my opinion, yeah, I think you let him start, and I think you sort of challenge him in that sense because this is also a contract year for them. So I think mm-hmm. that's the main reason why, because I believe his camp is obviously on the notion that he should be starting. So I think to start the year out, you let him start, and then, you know, if, uh, what's the saying? If he's as advertised, you let him roll through with that. But... Yeah, if it's kind of his spot to lose, I think because that's that's how they should run it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's his spot to lose for sure. But alrighty, transitioning from uh, players who are now in big good situations and have the opportunity to have a huge breakout year, let's shift to the opposite. Who do you think is a player that could be traded and uh, could find greener pastures and maybe blossom somewhere else? The name that I was thinking of, I'll leave that for you because he's from New York. <laughs> yeah, he should. Because he should go to a <laughs> should play team that should actually give him some fucking PT. Yeah, that fucker should be traded, man. I think uh, yeah, Cam Reddish has to get traded. That That's that's kind of an easy one. I think he, he's got to go to a team where they're developing and they're just going to give the dude 30 minutes to just mm. let his shit out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just... <laughs> He doesn't need to be in a place where he can just go poo. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> let him go, bro. Hey, you, you know what, though? Because uh, I don't think we talked about this on the pod. We talked about it on the chat. But just a little aside, Seattle and Vegas are getting teams. Yeah. If Seattle, Seattle, I, you know. Don't tell me I don't know. to Seattle. Hell yeah, I should come to Seattle. What do you mean? Bro, I don't, don't want to go down two hours to see Cam Reddish. I will. Oh, Wait, no. he's obviously not going to be like the fucking cream of the crop pick or whatever. But when you look at the guys that, okay, let, let me ask you this: Are would you not saying you would? But if you're dri- if you have to drive two hours, would you rather watch Cam Reddish or fucking Evan Fournier? Oh come on! Well, actually, Evan Fournier is an established. You're not picking Evan <laughs> Fournier. Don't fucking lie. You're not picking Evan Fournier. <laughs> If it's Europe, if it's Eurobasket, Evan Fournier, sure. But if we're talking the dude who's like hot and cold, it is not consistent at all, bro. Come on now, you're you're picking yeah, Cam Reddish. Cam- you, like, Fuck yeah, I'm paying to see Cam, Cam Reddish. Those tickets better to be five dollars. I'm not going to see Cam Reddish. Hell no, I'll see Evan Fournier. That man's got an established name in the league. Oh, come on now. You mean established, you mean overpaid. Hey, hey, at least he got paid. 
<laughs> At least he got Shit, paid. man. Put Evan Fournier in Seattle. He's going to have to get paid. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. That's a rough question. It's like asking me if I like, you know. Well, yeah, it's obviously, you know, I, I love you, Cav. If you ever watch this, I truly love you. But if we're if we're looking at what we got in front of us right now, yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's picking the less shitty of two shitty options. I, I, will, I will hold you there. But. Oh, man. The upside, oh. you know. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to lie. Well, obviously, I, I liked watching a little bit of Cam Reddish in college. I, I'm not going to say I was, like, watching every game or whatever, but that team it was on, that's a historic team. But the majority of my love for him really stems from uh, Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. I think he lit us up for, like, 30 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, he's just a guy that hasn't been given the right opportunity. And that right opportunity... Is in Seattle when he turns um, <laughs> when he's like twenty five. Once they get their team, and he's a mediocre fifteen oh, five and five and two guy. Oh, God. Well, on to players that I think should be traded to Boston. Um, I've got two, and I think they both play the same position, and I think. Um, yeah, I think they both play the same position. It's clear that where they are currently, they can't. They're good. They're showing a lot of potential, but it's just you can't get over the hump, right? And I think those two players are Mobamba in Orlando and Miles Turner in Indiana. Miles um, Turner is almost 25, 26. That's around the age I've, where you're I think he is 26 right now. I think he's yeah, about to he's head into 27. To, yeah. yeah, he's starting to hit his prime. And right now, he hasn't gotten a full opportunity to show his skills, considering he's also played behind Sabonis for a number of years. Um, so I think that he's got to get dealt to a team where, okay, he's the clear-cut center, he's the anchor, and he's going to get the opportunity to do what he does. Um, for example, like a team like the Toronto Raptors, I think that's a great fit for him. Same thing with Mo Bamba in Orlando. He's, he had a really good season last year. He did. Um but you're also talking about the fact that they've got a uh, oh, brain fart here. What's his name? The other big they just got from Chicago. Oh, Wendell uh, Carter. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. Um, he just had a really solid season too. They're both flirting around the same numbers. And then you're bringing in um, Bancaro. Paulo Bancaro. And then you've got Franz Wagner. And then you got Jalen Suggs. So, I mean, you, it fits positionally. Like, yeah, those and, two And you can't forget about Bull Bull. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like they've got to go a more today's traditional lineup now. Um, so, I mean, my thoughts are, I think those two guys just need to find a new environment to flourish. Um, Mo Bamba, I think, is 23 or 24 now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right about that, I think. Yeah, so I think those I think they just need new environments for them to flourish, in my opinion. I think they've they've done their time. They're not getting the oomph that they need from their coaching staff and that development where they are. So uh, you know, they need. I think they just need somewhere where they're clear cut, the center on the team, where they play the 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 minutes, where they're given a chance to make mistakes, and and then I think you know that that's where they'll be able to blossom, or how they'll be able to blossom. So is this your your pitch for Miles Turner and Mo Bamba to Toronto? 
Uh, 100%. I, I respect that. I respect that. Season. Yeah. No, generally, not to just, like, shift this all over the place, but Toronto, I think, is a center from being into, like, right at that tip of the, like, contention, I feel. How could I forget? They've already got Coloco. We don't need him. You, you a Christian Coloco truther? I, I am a truther because he looks really good, and I like the fact that he's very athletic. Um... Clearly, Fred Van Vliet likes playing with him. Um, he's going to have a lot of defensive lapses this year because the game is really fast. Uh, but I, I am a true theory. I feel like he'll be able to pick stuff up really quickly. He's got all the, the, the skills on the defensive end. And he's, um, he's, he's really in probably timing. one of the best situations if you're, like, not a guy who got a lot of looks and heading, heading out of college. But, yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. So I, I, I am a Christian Coloco truther, and I'm really excited to see a traditional athletic center at the five spot this season. I don't know how much time he'll get. I, I don't believe too much, to be honest, but I will like seeing him there. Um, I could be wrong because um, this past year, Nick Nurse threw in a lot of young guys into lineup right, right away. Like, and no one was really expecting Delano Banton to get as many minutes as he did to start the year. So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Coloco is like one of the first bigs off the bench over Kemberch or Chris Boucher. Um, could happen. Also, we need to trade Kemberch. <laughs> he can blossom somewhere else. I don't know if there's much <laughs> blossom to do if you're like, he's like 32, isn't he? He's like 30 with basically injuries every second season, like every second week yeah. of the season. Yeah. All right, uh, for players that I think should be traded, I obviously kind of went on a very passionate tangent about Cam Reddish, but <laughs> it's another guy in New York. I think Obi Toppin has the yeah. chance and should be able to find consistent PT because when he's on the floor, super solid. Obviously, one of the best transition players when you're looking at the ability to drive to the hoop. Uh, the I think not even just from, like, the X's and O's of basketball standpoint, but if you're a team that, you know, is looking for a little marketing boost, Obi Tobin's the perfect dude. When you're a little kid, you don't give a fuck about people, or maybe you do a little bit about uh, players being able to cook other guys, but you want to see guys throw down the hardest, stankiest, nastiest dunks, and Obi Toppin is a guy that can deliver that. So, you know, he's obviously playing behind a guy that New York is forced into playing major minutes and Julius Randle, obviously you gave him all that money. So he is a yep. guy that, you know, I get it, your hometown, you might want to just kind of tough it out, but put him in another situation. Whew. Another guy is, I think, well, okay, so it's Kobe White, but with all the Lonzo Ball stuff happening, I think that might be a little, he might be in the situation now where he could have the chance to blossom. But that's the blossom for him to get traded. But Kobe White is obviously a guy that's came into the league and is a little, you know, here and there. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's ass. He's very in between everything. But if you put him on a team that needs like a bench scorer, I think Kobe White completely fills that role perfectly. When you look at like his skills, I think it is very catered towards being a six-man kind of role. And with all, like, the guard depth they have, Ayo Dosumu, uh, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Dalen Terry, who they just drafted and is looking like 
has kind of this Lonzo Ball-esque mold. Uh, the pecking order gets very short when you look at minutes for guys like Kobe White. So put him in another situation. I think maybe like low-key, put him in a situation like Miami, given that I think Tyler hey. Hero has a chance to start. Could be solid. And, he, and maybe you could make the money match because, I mean, Duncan Robinson is obviously a guy who's in Spoh's doghouse. He's not really going to be on shit. So. Oh, I think you just started something interesting there. Hey. Kobe White for uh, Duncan Robinson. I think you obviously got to okay. do a oh, bit man. more to make money match. But Chicago is a team that lacks a lot of three-point scoring, obviously, because you got guys like DeRozan. But... Duncan Robinson makes a lot of sense in it Chicago. It does, but you know how that team's going to look? 120 points per game, but they're going to give up like 130. So some yeah. like absurd well, I mean, shit Kobe like White, that. If, if, if Kobe, like Lonzo Ball isn't going to be around to start the year, that's an interesting situation because if they don't have Lonzo to start the year, Kobe White's going to get a lot of time, him and Ayer DeSomu. I do like the defensive versatility that Chicago does have because Pat Williams is back healthy. Um, I do like the fact that they have Ayo Jusomu who can guard. Yeah, Ayo can guard one, two, three. Lonzo's yeah. back, they'll be fine. Um, and so I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens, but that, I think that's an interesting thing. I think it's a match made in heaven um, because Kobe White would fit really well in Miami, especially as a, as a backup guard for Kyle Lowry, um, even though they've got uh, homeboy uh, Gabe Vincent um, I, I, I would like Kobe right there. And then Duncan Robinson would add a lot of shooting. They thought Matt Thomas was going to be that, but they didn't clearly scout the Raptors well enough to know that Matt Thomas is pretty garbage. So, um, yeah, I think Duncan Robinson would be a great fit there. I'd start something. Hey, man, front offices, NBA front offices, listen yeah. to the blacktop pod. Listen, man. dropping gems 100%. all the time. Like the fact that Cam Reddish is going to be the main attraction when Seattle gets their team. Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'd rather watch. I'd rather watch Bull Bull. I'm not gonna lie. I probably would too. Hey, yeah, there you go. I, hey, on a, on a little aside, I'm not gonna lie. Every every time I do like an expansion thing on 2K, he's normally one of the first guys I pick because he's like a cheat code in 2K. But true, yeah. But all right. Here's a random section I'm going to throw you, Ruben. So, yeah. we are literally, like, less than a month. Because I think the season starts on the 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it's the 18th. 18th. I believe it's 18th on Tuesday. Yes, it is the 18th. Yeah, Tuesday. Mm. Ooh, when Steph gets to collect his ring in front of uh, LeBron. Anyways, what is your one... We've already had a few on this, but curious what's a hot take you have for this incoming season whether it's like man, dark it was, horse it, for an okay, award I should have waited for that. Or... okay fine i'll say you can expand it on it yeah okay i think the la clippers are gonna win the west i think they're gonna win the west i think when they're fully healthy i mean you added the pieces that they did uh robert covington norman powell they're super deep um, you're bringing back your healthy superstars and then you're bringing John Wall into the fold who I think was the missing piece. If he's healthy and if he's right, um, it seems like he's there. If Did you did you read his prayer, Players' Tribune? Oh, I haven't. Like, well, I know it's been like a oh tough God. few years for him, yeah. Oh my God, the dude is locked in. Mm. 
So I think he's. I think he, this season is kind of vengeance for him because people are written him off. So I am really excited to see him in a Clippers uniform uh, alongside with his buddy Paul George. So I think that's going to be fun to watch. I, I just think like at, when Kawhi is on, I just think that he's just the best player in the league. I just think so. Like it, we saw it even after the Toronto season where he just decided to turn up. I think that was 2021 where he kind of just took over the playoff series and then he got he got injured, right? Where he um couldn't play against Phoenix. But dude, Kawhi Kawhi can take over a game. He can score in multiple ways. There's not a lot of defenses that stifle what he does. Um, he's such a strong dude. And the biggest thing, right, is he can guard the best player in the league. Like, I think when he's healthy, he's still the best defender in the NBA. And I don't think he's very close because there's like, he's so strong. I I just like, I have an affinity for him, obviously, because he helped Toronto win the championship, but we've seen it. Like the dude can go, can win playoff series on his own. Single-handedly, for sure. Single-handedly, which is what he did against Philly in 2019. Um, and so when he's healthy, I think he's the best player in the league. Um, I, I would say one in one, a one B with Giannis. Cause I think Giannis has reached a different level too. You know and I just have to, and, and it's not to, it's, it's not, it's not because I love DJ. It's because of the fact that I'm just being real about Giannis. And if that jump shot looks pretty scary, um, if you guys are watching, you, Euro you Basket, know, here, here's the thing. I, I take all that shit with a grain of salt because I saw his shot like last off season and I thought he was gonna be on shit. I, I'm not saying yeah, his shot's gonna be knew. ass, but you know, I, if he gets to like thirty five percent, he wins MVP. If you ask me. <laughs> well, let me let me just say this. Let me just say this. You definitely have more more room for error in Eurobasket than you do in the NBA. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, who's going to sit there and say, oh, Giannis, don't shoot jump shots? Some, if, some if Euro- I'm, like, the, I'm sorry, some Euroleague if, coach? If I'm the Greek Greece coach, I it's, it's like when you roll up to an AAU tournament with, like, a whole bunch of nationally ranked kids. You're not even fucking coaching. You know, you just Yeah, you're, you're just, just standing play. there and telling them, okay, like, this is what you do. Call a timeout when you need to. Yeah. Like it's it's you're not really coaching you're just there to make some substitutions right like uh, you don't tell Giannis what to do NBA player NBA coach is probably like hey buddy you know this is what you got to do but yeah my one hot take is the Clippers will win the West because they're deep they've got the best collection of talent um, Tyron Lue does not get enough credit for being a really good coach um, oh he's top three for sure. And he's I hate three. to admit it. I hate to admit it, but they've got a really good. Stru- they've got really great structure organizationally. Steve Ballmer's done a great job since they turned it over from uh, the racist Sterling, Ooh. and then Lawrence Frank has done a great job. Um, obviously, they've got Jerry West there uh, at an exact position, and Tyron Lue has been a championship coach everywhere he's gone as a head man has always been winning. Um, and then you've got Kawhi Leonard as the head of the beast, and then you've got a number of pieces behind you. They brought in all those guys. I mean, it's just hard to argue against the fact that this team will be very good. Um, and if they're not, then I'll be glad to be wrong, because uh, it's not like this opinion or this take that I'm giving isn't any new. There's a lot of people saying that the Clippers are going to win the West. Um, my other hot take is I think uh, Pascal Siakam will be an all-NBA player this year and an NBA all-star starter again. 
Um, I think he's poised for a huge season again because after missing about first two months of last year, he ended up finishing with an All-NBA nod, right? And I think he should have been an NBA All-Star, but clearly people just didn't get uh, have enough time to see him because he missed so much time at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think Pascal will be a top 15 player just in terms of like his performance next year. So um, I'm really excited to see how he does. Those are two solid solid. takes. All right. I'll I'll give you two quick ones here. Number one, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be a top three team in the East. Uh, I'm going to make that call. If you want want to bet, let me know. And my second take, actually to expand on my first take, you know, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, sure, you don't play defense, but that's, that's not why you traded for him. You traded for him to get some motherfucking buckets. You allow Darius Garland to be more of a natural point guard. Yeah, he can score it a bit, but having a guy like Donovan Mitchell is going to take a lot of the pressure off him. Isaac Okoro is going to be guarding the best like like best perimeter players, so those two guys playing behind him don't have to worry about guarding, say, a Paul George or anything like that. Because we, Yeah, of course they get cooked. Yeah. Evan Mobley, super solid. One of this like generational talents. Jared Allen, absolute beast. The Afro is a thing to be feared, and if he's healthy, scary hours. And don't don't forget about Karis LeVert, man. Hometown kid. Let him be the sixth man. Shit. Might have the next 50-point game off the bench. You never know. Not <laughs> only that, Kevin Love. He was in the sixth man of the year conversation. Seti Osman, this guy they thought he was going to be next. He's a, he's a solid eighth, ninth man. I, you know, take that how you will. Uh, Isaiah Mobley, Evan's brother. He probably not gonna play, but if he does, fuck it, might be solid. All the things I think on paper are saying that the Cavs are supposed to be good, and with a young up and coming coach like uh, JB Bickerstaff, I think what's on paper will turn into reality. Now for my second one, uh, this one's like a little less hot, or not necessarily hot in terms of like. Actually, yeah, fuck it. Originally, I was gonna say. X player is going to be uh, a first-time All-Star, but I've already kind of said that about Tyrese Halliburton. My second hot take, <clears throat> the Hawks are going to be in the play-in. You know, when, you know, DeJounte Murray's yeah, looked at this kind of like, not necessarily savior, but this guy that's going to take off a lot of the, a lot of the, the stress of Trey Young ha- ball handling, all that, but I just think it's going to be a lot of growing pains, you know. Two guys yeah. that are one of the higher usage rate players in the league. Everybody, I think, is assuming that because Trey Young's under six five and because he can shoot the ball, he's supposed to be godlike like Steph Curry when it's off ball. I'll believe that when I see it. I think, yeah, obviously the eye test and everything that kind of is measurable from like an untangible aspect. Yeah, he might be solid off ball, but until we see it happen, I'm gonna hold off my my reservations about that. And then I just think that, again, it's a lot of movement versus, like, a lot of teams are still set in their ways and solid in that, you know, Milwaukee didn't have much gravity in terms of movement. Uh, The Celtics, they had gravity and movement, but they upgraded way, way more with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. Not compared to a guy like DeJounte, but, yeah, I just think that it's going to be a lot of shuffling. And with yeah. that, they're going to lose a few games where 
they lose because they're not all on the same page. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another player to add in there that a guy that should be traded to Blossom is John Collins. Um, I don't know if he'll I, be I'm not going to lie. I, I, I might have to disagree with you there because I think he's in the in the role to catch a lot of lobs. Not necessarily that that's going to be yeah. his prime point of offense, but yeah, obviously, like his ability to be an impact with the ball might be impacted a lot. But when you have the ability of him to pick and pop, you have the ability of him to catch lobs with Trey Young, who he has a lot of chemistry with. I think he can get back up to like. Now, I think originally I had him like getting back to 20 and 10. I've uh, come down a little bit from that. I think he can be a solid like. 15 and 10 guy, I think. But I agree. Like, if we're talking, like, blossoming into the best possible player in terms of, like, scoring output, definitely maybe trade him. But when you look at the I, role he yeah. plays, I think he's in the right spot. I, th- I think there's 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 huge room for John Collins to grow. And I think you, you just said it, right? Like, it's going to have a huge impact on him having the ball. Um, and so when you have a guy who could potentially be really good at shot creation who doesn't have the ball, you take away a lot of his potential output. And so if you're going to stick him as the pick and roll pop guy, you know, he's playing a very specific role. So what does that mean? He's a role player, right? And he's a, he's a guy that easily could have had all-star potential, you know, and I think he still has that, but I think he has to be traded to Blossom and or they give him the keys to say, okay, um, DeJounte and Trey, like, have to take a step back and John... It's going to take a huge step forward. But no one's going to say that. No one's <laughs> going to do that. Because Trey Young is a bona fide all-star, all-star in this league. And DeJounte is also as well. So um, I think it'll be interesting to watch them play together. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. So I agree 100% they're going to lose games because they're not on the same page. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's also more movement throughout the season because... I think there's still some significant holes in their roster before they start contending. Yeah, so, their bench is looking very, very sus. Yeah, you that's know, a terrible they, they, they got both the Holiday brothers, and they think they go be on Drew shit. Fuck, they might not be even on half of that. <laughs> you know, just the Holiday, cool. Aaron Holiday, T.I., but Drew Holiday, that's the motherfucking truth. Dude, they're trying to be on true shit. They're not even yeah, half of that. Nah. That's hilarious, bro. That's hilarious. Dude, you said it earlier to you. Sorry, I wanted to touch on it. Like, Milwaukee was literally a Chris Middleton away from being in the NBA Finals again. They would have fucking smoked Golden State, man. I'm this t- is not a, yeah. Oh, my like, goodness, man. I'm not going to lie. My, yeah, they my mother, there. I love you with all my heart. But I would have been talking so much fucking shit if they went to the finals and they smacked them. No lie. I think they would have beat Golden State. Mm. I mean, he present, Giannis itself presents so many matchup problems. And Chris Middleton would have taken off so much pressure off Drew Holiday. Right? And I think that was the biggest thing is Drew had to end up being the second option when they ran the wall. And mm. the beautiful part about what this roster has done is, okay, when they run the wall on Giannis... You know, all he has to be is a decoy, and you have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, which they did so well in that 2021 season. When you lose one of your main scoring options, like Chris Middleton, he's able to score off the you know, he's able to score multiple ways, right? He's He's been a total offensive package for them, and also a very good defender, let's not forget. 
like when you lose that, your pecking order changes, right? And so now you have guys in roles where they're not supposed to be. Um, and, and you've practiced this way all year long. You've played this way. You've competed this way all year long. And so when things change, especially at the highest levels, it's so hard to make that adjustment. So anyways, I just want to touch on that because you literally said that, oh, uh, you know, you know, Milwaukee didn't make very much gravity. Getting Chris Middleton back healthy. Oh, yeah, they, they didn't really need to, I don't think. And I didn't really get to touch on it, but. Jingling Joe Jingles, Joe Ingles. Yeah, they just, yeah, Joe Ingles. Joe is Ingles ad. is a big ad. ad. Gives us another ball healthy. handler. Yeah, even if he's not healthy, because, you know, we got him, I think, for the simple fact that it gives you another guy that can handle the ball and spot up. You know, that's obviously been and the defend. bread and butter. And yeah, the bread and butter and of Milwaukee. And shit, man. I think it was like 45% his last, like, fully healthy season or something like that from three. Yeah. So. And then I really like the he, young guy yeah. they got, Marjan Bochamp. Love the story. Love the, like, the... I don't want to say narrative because that kind of shapes it in the way that it's like... You know what I mean? But, no, I, I love Marjan. I think he's going to have a really big chance to be solid this year. And, yeah, Milwaukee. This should be the road to the three-peat, but that's okay. Let's go get ring number yeah. three as our franchise. I, I see them back in the finals. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a Bucks clippers finals. I would love to see a Bucks Clippers finals. I would kill to see Giannis and Kawhi go at it again because that was so much fun in 2019. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that my team walked away with a championship. Yeah, that might be. Um, you know what would have been a fun series if we saw it? Looking back at that year, if it was Milwaukee and Philly, that would have been a hell of a series. Ooh. Because remember, you're talking about Philly. I mean, Toronto sneaked out of that series on that shot. It probably would have been a similar team. situation, though, I feel. Because that Philly Simmons, team. Reddick, Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. That team was so yeah, like, set for a championship. They I easily think, could have won the championship that last night. Oh, year. no doubt. When you look at the starting fives that have ever been on paper, I think that's that literally, like, top top ten for sure. Maybe even top five. Like, Actually, Dude. no, fuck it. Top five. Because, I mean... Yeah, fuck. A prime Jimmy <laughs> Butler, Ben Simmons coming to his prime, Joel Embiid's a tear, one of the best spot-up shooters in J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, who was, like, poised as a sort of all-star. And f- Damn, starting with some of the starting fives that year, it was like, okay, Philly. Then you look at Toronto, where it was like, let's say the best players just started, right? Mm. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Marcus All. That's five all-stars. If if Golden State was fully healthy, obviously it would be a different series. But Curry, yeah, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, like that's that's just that those three alone right there. That's that's enough gravity um, to bring you all the way. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee obviously didn't have the roster it did now, but still Man. then who was it? George Hill. It was um, Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Eric Giannis. fucking Bledsoe, I think, was the Eric, starting. Oh yeah, guard. Bledsoe. Yeah, he was a starting two guard. Oh my goodness. But man, but that was that was such a competitive team. They played really for real. Brooke Lopez was right in his prime. Oh, in like, his I, bag. Okay, wait, Ruben. Um, do you do you remember that play where Eric Bledsoe was the inbounder and he dribbled that shit in? Yeah, <laughs> bro, I was at that fucking game and I was like, yeah, this is the dude, first game was... I ever watched. I was like, fuck this dude, Eric Bledsoe, man. <laughs> he's not even the, he's not in the league right now. So. I, yeah, he's a free agent. I, uh, I think he could maybe five minutes a game. He could do some damage. 
foot damage in terms of probably losing your team the game. Shit. Yeah, dude, that guy went with a plus minus and negative 20. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, before we end this, I, I know we've gone, like, super overtime here. Oh, okay, good. Right now, yeah, yeah. off the top of your head, give me your top five NBA players. No no order. Top five NBA players right now. Right now? Top five. Because this has been a huge conversation. ESPN Giannis, Giannis is one. Jokic is two. I think Luka's three. Curry's Ooh. four. Ooh. And then... Fuck. I think five, okay. five mind, I would put no, MB. No injuries, no injuries. No, no injuries. injuries? Oh, wait, fuck. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Then, yeah, I've read the shit back. Keep in mind, no injuries. Like Fully healthy, everybody's good to go? Yes, yeah, yeah. Giannis, Jokic, Kawhi, Curry, Luka. I think that that's that's my five. What about you? Giannis? Kawhi, KD, Steph, Jokic. I left out Embiid and I left out uh, Luka. I, I left out LeBron. I left out James Harden. Yeah, I'm. I'm just leaving K. I think that's just a recency bias for me, low key, because it's like he got clapped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He got fucking clapped. He got clapped with fucking Kyrie. Yeah. Oh my that goodness. Was rough. That was a rough series. I don't know what happened to Brooklyn. Dude. Yeah, that shit might have been close, but fuck it, man. 4 0 is 4 0. Yeah. I don't know. I Kevin Durant is still like just just an unbelievable offensive player. So I have to throw them in there him in there because like no one's he's he's the prototype player. Him, Kawhi, Giannis, Steph, Jokic. Mm. Okay. Top five. For okay, Little, real quick, real quick. This this can be for sure the last question. Where where would you rank KD all time offensively? Oh God. If you're listening on audio, Ruben's just like head in the ceiling, really trying to like think about this. Okay. Okay. I have to talk. Okay, so I have to do all time rankings before I find this position. Are we talking about bag, or we're we talking about statistics? We're talking about like everything all together, right? Like we're talking about fuck, fuck everything. Game situation. Like, like, five seconds left. Last shot of the game. You have to get a bucket. Where does he rank amongst guys that you would oh give the ball my to? God. Or actually, no, no, no. Fuck that. This is the Blacktop Podcast. It's 20, it's 19 to 20. Last shot to win the game. You're at Rucker. Everybody's going crazy. Okay. You got motherfuckers okay. in like top of apartment buildings watching. Okay. Uh, ooh. Ah, uh, shoot, man. Third. Who are the two Third. above them? Mike and Kobe. Mm, I like that. Yeah, listen, I love Kareem. Bucks legend, but like, Shit, man, if I was seven foot and I had that shot, yeah, sure, I could get a bucket. But uh, when it comes to pure... I'll take... Yeah, so, I'm sorry, I just... I, oh, yeah, I just but just when it say... comes to pure getting buckets, those three. Yeah. yeah. Mike and Kobe have just proven an innate ability, like unmatched ability to just get whatever they want, anytime, anywhere, elevate over defenses, their, their skills beyond. 
I would say Kevin third only because of the fact that historically those two have such a, uh, like, their careers and are built off of making those shots. Mm. KD, yes, yes. Like, he's had those shots, right? But, like, his, it's a little bit tainted considering, you he, know, he doesn't have a game six. He doesn't have a game six final shot like Mike. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have a game six. He doesn't have, like, he doesn't have, like, those multiple, uh, you know, game winners where you see them on repeat every now and then. But Shit, he almost had out, one by this uh, much. He did. He did. Um, he... <sighs> You're 6'11". He can handle like a guard and can shoot over defenses. Um, his ability... I think he's the best shot creator we've ever seen in the league. I'll say that. Mm. I'll say in terms of like where we rank them offensively and you give them the ball, clutch situation, I say I would actually go Kobe over Mike. Kobe, Mike, KD. Um, I respect that. Because I think if you were to see them go at it today, Mike was a bad dude. But Kobe wanted to fuck you up. Like, I think Kobe wanted to kill you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Kobe actually wanted to kill you on the court. Kobe like, was that, too. Kobe, Kobe generally had no holes offensively, I would say. No. No holes. There were no holes. Mike, it was the three-point shot mm. that wasn't as good. Where Kobe worked it to a point where it was, if you leave him wide open, it's pretty much butter. Mm. Um, and so... KD is just a different type of player we've never seen before, and I think there's still no one like him today. And so it'll be a sad day he leaves because who can ever see a seven footer take it up and down, hezies and crossovers and spin moves and then jump shot right in the pocket and just. Anyways, excuse my language there, everybody. I just needed to go extra on Kobe because, like, pay that man respects. Like he was so deadly. Like that's there's a reason why he's called Black Mamba. Sometimes I forget, man. I sometimes I'm just like. Kobe was a dog, dude. Like, if you saw him, he would try to rip your throat apart. You know what I mean? There's there's no other player in the league or NBA history that would hiss as seriously as he did. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Kobe was a different breed. Like, Mike was, Mike was, dirt, like, Mike was dirty. He was deadly. He was, like, at your throat. He would do the same stuff, but... I feel like Kobe took that and just went to a whole different level. On oh, the court. Kobe was literally an assassin. Literally. Yeah. Oh, man. Kobe was so fun to watch. I miss him. No doubt. And I think that's the perfect way to end another episode of the Blacktop Podcast. We appreciate y'all listening. If you made it this far, you must have enjoyed it. You know, like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Hopefully, we're able to be whole again soon. But until then, stay safe, stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon. Ease. <laughs> black shots, back shots, back shots. <laughs>